Hello, and welcome to Out in the Woods. Uh, I'm your host, JD, and I am currently adjusting the microphone, so I'm sorry if it gets a little wonky. Um, I guess the best way to describe the changes that we've made would be to go ahead and get into some listener feedback. Um, most notably, people were commenting on the volume, which is understandable. I really don't know what I'm doing, in case that's not obvious. Uh, I don't really know what this podcast is, if I'm being honest, again. Um, but nonetheless, volume was difficult for some people. I've tested it on my headphones, and I've tested it on my car, and I've tested it on the computer, and on my phone. And they were all different. Uh, so hopefully, this time, I am just right up here, mouth-to-mouth -mouth with this microphone, and hopefully my soothing, soothing voice is just tickling those eardrums. I want to make sure that I sound good for you beautiful people that decide to listen to this. Because if you're going to take the time to listen, then damn it, I'm going to take the time to make it as good as I can. So I am looking at getting a, an actual microphone. Currently I am recording on a Guitar Hero microphone for the Wii. Um, I think the results are, are pretty good. But again, they were a little quiet last time. So... Uh, yeah. Second bit of feedback was I had a comment that said, JD, your podcast is called Out in the Woods, and I can very clearly tell that you are inside. I'm sorry. I'd like to formally apologize uh, for the misinformation that I provided in my last episode. Uh, I consider the ranch, which is where I am, to be out in the woods, uh, even though I was indoors for that episode. Uh, however, as you might be able to tell from the wind and from the dogs and whatever other little noises are going to come up in this episode, uh, I am actually outside this time. I am in the woods. I'm staring at trees and stars, and we got, well, we got all sorts of background noise. So, damn it, you went out in the woods here. You, you can have it. Uh, I was also sent a tweet that said, Starting a podcast is the male version of starting an OnlyFans. And I have a few comments on this. For one, I think my OnlyFans would be a hit. However, my mother would disown me. And, well, I don't think I could charge all that much. So maybe it wouldn't be a hit. Uh, that leads me to my second point. Is I am not getting paid. Let's be honest. Who's going to pay for this, right? Come on. Come on. Not that... Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from from uh, I'm gonna refrain from some comments until until this gets some legs and uh, I know that statute of limitations can uh, carry me through. Also, I do think I have one thing in common. Um, it's not father issues. I'm very good friends with my father. I think I think we have a wonderful relationship. Unlike most of the women on OnlyFans, um, burn. Uh, no. We both love attention. We being me and the army of e-thoughts um, that constantly parade their genitalia around the internet. Uh, stay in school, kids. And, well, it's basically prostitution. I shouldn't have to tell you this. Stay away from OnlyFans. Nonetheless, we're not here to talk about the morality of this generation because Lord knows it would not be a pretty topic. Whew. But uh, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last time. In the last episode, I 
hopefully told you a, a wonderful story, spun you a, a beautiful tale about my misadventures with the Pope um, and wine in my youth. And, well, in this story, I am a little bit older. Um, but nonetheless, it is a misadventure all the same. Or an adventure. I, we'll get into it. So it is the summer after my senior year, 2017. And my middle, no, not my middle, the youngest older sister decides that she would like to hike the compass, no, the, the way of St. James. And it starts in St. Jean, France, and it ends in Santiago de Compostela. That's what I meant to say. Sorry. This is off the cuff, all right? We're not, we're not editing this out. We're keeping it all in. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stumble every now and then. I'm not perfect, okay? Neither are you. Don't get a big head. Um, so the way, or at least this one in particular, there's multiple, is 500 miles, uh, which is ridiculous. But basically, it is a pilgrimage that you take, uh, and it's following the way of St. James, uh, the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James, as they say. Now, there are other ways, other pilgrimages, um, that you can also do that also end up in... Santiago de Compostela, which is a city in, oh, it's a rather large city, in northern Spain. It's a beautiful town, beautiful city. Um, fun fact, on the day that I was finishing the Camino, well, let's go back a little bit. When my sister decided that she wants to do it, everyone said, John David, you should go and finish it with her. Because my mother had star, or had decided that she would start it with my sister. Because this, this is not a... a one week event like you're you're on this and it's 500 miles okay it's only so much a body can take of of walking carrying a pack up and down mountains and over this river and through the woods to saint james's house we go it's only so much that a body can take and so my mother decided that she was going to start it with my sister and everyone's like john david you should go and finish it and i said look if i was doing something like this because the way people do it for different reasons some people do it because they want to lose weight. Some people do it just because they just want to do it, just for an adventure. Uh, and some people do it for very spiritual reasons, religious reasons. And so knowing this, I thought, no, why Why would I want to do this with someone? If I was going to do this, I would, I would want to finish it alone, you know, like in my solitude. Of course, I, I had never been on the way. I don't know how these things work. But... As um, as the tale goes, and this is a whole nother story in and of itself, but I'll, I'll spare you most of the details for the juice. Uh, I was walking into the city, and um, you have a ways to go through the boundaries of the city until you're at your final destination. And I look over, and I see an ambulance. And these paramedics are doing uh, CPR on someone. And someone is sobbing. I thought, huh, this is interesting. I later find out that when the rest of the party or the group uh, walked past that same spot, uh, there was a woman still sobbing. I would assume it's the same one. And a body covered in a blanket. So this was my first experience uh, witnessing death. Fun fact. But anyway, that's the end of the story. We got to go back to the beginning. So it ends up that I am suckered into traveling to Spain. Oh, 
boo-hoo, woe is me, and I'm going to be doing the last 180 miles with my sister. Uh, so I get on my little hiking shoes, and I, I pack my bags and my little camping toothpaste and all that. And not that we're camping in a tent. You you stay in what's called an albergue, or it's basically a hostel. It's a, it's a communal sleeping room. Um, some of them will have like a little restaurant attached or something like that. But most, most it's just a room and then like a little reception room. And so uh, traveling there was very interesting. And we'll get there. But um, I finally show up. I meet my sister at the bus station. And I. it's worth noting, I would come to find out that most of the way is through very small rural uh, towns. Like two sheep farmers and a little, typically an albergue, a, a, a place for people to stay. Um, so most of the time, you're really out in the woods. Pun intended. And this time, however, it was it was a larger city. Um, I don't know the population, but it it was it was well developed. So I meet my sister, and she's like, "Oh, this is great. There's a, a mass that we're gonna go to where we're staying in the evening, and then we'll go out and grab a tea." So this is kind of when I was starting to get um, my sea legs or my Spain legs, as they say, because we go to this mass, obviously all in Spanish, and. Uh, it's worth noting that when when you start the Camino, uh, when you meet someone, you're typically going to be hiking with them for most of the Camino. Because, again, the, the body can only go so far in a day. So, obviously, some people are going to go a little farther. Some people aren't going to go as far. But for the most part, you kind of follow the same pace. And so, my sister, who had been doing this for a while now, uh, 320 miles, roughly, um, had met some people. There was a group of Australians. There were a handful of people from the States. We had a few Germans with us. Um, and so we, we had a, a relatively large group and they were all, or most, were at this Albergate with us. So it's a few of the Americans, all of the Australians, and then my sister and I sitting through a Spanish mass, which I don't think any of us really understood. Maybe one or two. Who knows? And at the end of the mass or the those of you who are not Catholic, it's it's church. It's a celebration in the Catholic faith. And at the end, the priest was, I would assume, making announcements. Again, I don't know. And he said the word sangria. So all of us uh, English speakers in the back perked up and kind of gave each other the eye. And we're like, oh, sangria. So the mass ends, and then there is this large processional with all of these Spanish grandmothers. Last story, it was Italian grandmothers. But this story, it was these short, elderly Spanish women. Who I will lovingly refer to as the Spanish grandmothers. And we all parade out into the parking lot. And they have this cauldron. I mean, probably 20, maybe 30 gallons of sangria. And so I'm sitting there. I'm holding my little... My little plastic cup and I'm surrounded by these like four feet tall Spanish grandmothers and I get my sangria and I'm like oh this is this is pretty nice end up going out we had this wonderful meal because again this was a, a larger city and um at the dinner my sister was like look this is not how the rest of this is going to be however 
tomorrow, we are walking past a winery. And this winery um, has one euro glasses of wine. So I was very excited. So we wake up um, at very, very early, like with the sun, uh, if not earlier, and you start walking because that's really all there is to do. You have to go to bed early uh, because it's like a it's like a rule for the albergues. Typically by 10, you got to be asleep. And so we would wake up around six and just start walking. And we uh, it, was, it was brutally hot that day. And this stretch of the Camino was was more developed. So we were a lot on like pavement and we weren't ever really in the countryside. So the temperature was just even worse and we had cars going by us and stuff like that. So it, it was hot. So we stopped for lunch and we all get a beer. And we're like, okay, this is nice. And we have another like one or two Ks before we get to the winery. So we're walking, we're obviously feeling a little better, we're kind of refreshed, and we get there. And at this point, uh, I believe the Australians, most of them, uh, as well as some of the people that they knew, or I guess we all knew, uh, were there. And they were like, "This, we should just stay here tonight, this place is great. So we sit down, get our first glass of wine, it's wonderful. They had the windows open, we got this breeze, we're, we're looking out over these Spanish vineyards, and this, this like... Not old, but um, he was not a young man. But he was just happy because all of these thirsty pilgrims came into his winery. And so we just started drinking. And so one glass led to two and two to three and, well, maybe three to four for some of us. I'm not going to say myself, but I would I would let you guess. And so we're like, all right, whew, all right, we're feeling a lot better, cooled off. It's time to... Time to finish up this uh, today's hike. So we get to another. It's one of the more developed cities as well. And um, one of the Australians is like, hey, there is a river that we can go to. Maybe it wasn't one of the Australians. Anyway, someone in our group said there's a river that we can go to that has a beach. And so we load up on some ice cold brewskis and we don our swimwear, which is basically just what we were wearing because you have two changes of clothes. You have clothes that don't smell because you didn't wear them today and then clothes that do. And then they just pro both progressively smell worse, uh, but one of them will always smell not as bad as the other. Um, so we, we make our way over to this river and, well, hmm, this is when the culture really started to hit me because as we're sitting down, uh, my sister and I, as well as some of the people we're with, we look up and we see these two men uh, slowly emerge from the river. And obviously they did not have shirts on because, you know, who swims in a shirt? All right, if you do, no harm, no foul. These guys, they knew what they were about. No clothes. All right. Nude beach on a river. There's children nearby. There's naked women. There's titties hanging out. We got some dicks going everywhere. I mean, it. Everyone's, everyone's really feeling good, and so we're kind of sitting there like, oh, oh no, because one of the, uh, it's a couple that we were with. Uh, his father was a deacon, which is uh, a man of the cloth, as they say, not fully a priest, um, but anyway, to, to, you know, a little more holy than your average Joe Blow, uh, you know, believer, as they say. 
So he shows up, and we're all kind of like, oh, what can you do? So we're sitting there, and we hear this laughing behind us. And we turn around, and you guessed it. It is the two men chasing each other, frolicking through this wonderful lush grass that we were sitting on, um, but naked. And they start doing these spins, and they're laughing and chasing each other, and then they tackle each other. And we're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Woo, time's, time to crack another beer. So we swim a little bit and have another beer and maybe another beer. And we're like, all right, it's like kind of getting late. Let's go back. So by the time that we get back, um, the Australians had cooked dinner. And they were like, oh, do you want to sit with us? And so my sister and I do. And we had had a bottle of wine open, so we split that. So we have another glass or two at dinner. And then someone brings out another bottle after dinner. So I have another glass. And uh, after dinner and the after dinner wine, after the after dinner wine, if that makes sense, my sister and one of the Australians are like, oh, we need to go and reserve our spots tomorrow for the Albergate. So most of these places were like first come, first serve, but there were a few spots that you could like call ahead and uh, put your name down on a list, you know, make sure that you uh, got in and you had a place to sleep. So I go up with them and the Australian says, well, we have another bottle of wine. And so the three of us split another bottle of wine. And so it had been a very long day of hiking and not a lot of water, not a ton of food. Obviously, you know, we ate and stuff like that. But my intake was predominantly wine, which would kind of spell out the rest of the journey for me. Um, but nonetheless, today is what we're talking about. So bedtime comes. And I'm, I'm feeling good. And then I lay down and I'm not feeling so good. <laughs> and I think to myself, wow, I never noticed the world would spin like this. And I was like, nope, the world's not spinning. I am spinning. And I realized very quickly, this is not going to work. So I get up, and I'm in my boxers. Again, you, you get very comfortable with these people that you're hiking with because you run out of, you run out of things to talk about. You're not asking, oh, what's your favorite color? You're like, what's your, what, what makes you happy? You know, what's something personal? You, you get down to the nitty-gritty pretty quick. So get up in my boxers, and I walk down to the men's restroom, and the way this bathroom was set up is you walked in the door and then immediately to your left and kind of pushed back, there was a shower stall. And then there were two stalls for toilets. And these stalls were exactly what you think they are. They're like the metal walled, metal door bathroom stalls that are in like most gas stations or your high school bathroom, whatever. And so I just picked the first toilet. I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, no turn around and just start throwing up and throw up and I'm like I finally finish and I, I sit back down and I'm like all right that wasn't too bad like I'm, I'm definitely feeling better a lot of a lot of the wine was no longer uh in me to say the least and um well I just decide to fall asleep and next thing I know I wake up and I'm lying on the bathroom floor and flush the toilet, get up, wash my hands, and crawl back into bed. And this is, I mean, maybe 2 or 3 in the morning by the time I get up. And so don't really think much of it. Wake up the next morning, walking with my sister, and I'm like, man, I went and threw up in the bathroom. 
and she was like, "Oh, JD, like why? You know, you should have come got me. Could have helped you." And I'm like, "What are you helped me throw up? What? Like, what are you gonna do? Hold my hair back?" Anyway, um, so we're walking. I'm I'm not hungover somehow. Miracle, walking. You know, feeling fine. It, it's another just oh, brutally brutally hot day and it was strictly uphill like this was rough i was i i knew things had to change for the next few days um but nonetheless i make it through the end of the day and our group gets into where we were staying set our bags down my sister and i check in and uh, most of the group had already gotten it gotten in before us so again this is few of the germans most of the australians handful of americans uh, you know, just kind of everyone. We're all hanging out. Um, and again, this has been mostly uphill. So we're, we're all having a beer, looking out over this beautiful view. We're laughing. We're talking. We, um, you know, we're sitting underneath the, these umbrellas. Like most of us have our shoes off. And we're, we're feeling good. And this is when I should tell you about a very kind man named Marcel. Uh, Marcel was a physics teacher from Germany and he was very funny. He was quick witted, uh, spoke both English and German. Um, we would tell riddles to each other and we, you know, like he, he was a real fun guy and he's typically relatively talkative, but for some reason he was just sitting there and he was kind of like leaning over his beer, just looking at his beer. And, um, one of the guys looks at Marcel and he's like, man, Marcel, like what's wrong? Like you seem kind of quiet today. And there's a pause and Marcel just kind of sighs and he still looking down. He goes, I had the most peculiar dream last night. And everyone's like, well, what, what was it? Marcel, like you can, you can talk to us about it. And he goes, hi. Well, I woke up, or I, I thought I did, but I dreamt I went to the bathroom and there was a naked torso lying on the ground. And everyone just starts dying laughing, and Marcel has not changed. He's still just sitting, staring at his beer. And everyone's like, Marcel, like, that's so weird. Like, what did you do? And he goes, what? I went back to bed. And everyone just thought it was a dream. Meanwhile... Me, having gone through what I had gone through, and having only told my sister at this point, am just eyeing her down. And I say, Rachel, who did you tell? And at that, it goes quiet. And the man who asked Marcel how he was doing turns to me and says, JD, what happened last night? And I said, well, I couldn't sleep. I had the spins. So I went down and I threw up. And I guess I had fallen asleep uh, in the bathroom. And so the best that we could work it out was I had gone and was sitting on the toilet after throwing up. And I just said, you know what? This is, this is where I need to be. And I just took off my underwear. And me being... The, you know, 6'1", 6'2", lanky white boy that I am, decided to just 
sprawl out on this nice, icy, cold, tile bathroom floor. After all, it had been hot that day, and it felt very good. And since I had picked the first bathroom stall, um, the lower half of my body was just out there in the open. And so this poor, poor man, Marcel, wakes up, goes to the bathroom to relieve himself in the middle of the evening, middle of the night, turns on the light, looks down, and sees everything from an 18-year-old boy from the belly button down and thinks, this is a very weird dream. Turns the lights off and goes back to bed. So, needless to say, Marcel and I became very good friends uh, very early on in our journey. And there were plenty of jokes made and plenty of laughs had at the expense of John David with a little bit of wine in his system. But nonetheless, it was all in good fun. And it's a fun memory. And hopefully it's been a fun story for you. I know that I had a great time telling it. And as I was saying earlier, uh, I hope the audio is a little bit better. And I'm trying to talk louder and make it interesting. Do some inflection things in my voice. I don't know if you can pick that up. But anyway, um, hopefully it's better. So if you do listen to this, uh, let me know what you think, both about the quality of the content as in the story, and then the quality of the content as in the audio. Um, again, I'm using a Guitar Hero microphone, and I'm outside. So I don't know what you expect, um, but nonetheless, I hope you have enjoyed. So that is all for me for this week. Thanks, and God bless.